happens once a quarter when we have a, a fifth Sunday, a month of, of five Sundays. That means we don't have kids crew worship today. The kids will stay with us. And so all together this morning, we're going to study in Isaiah chapter 42. I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 42. There's no shame if you've got to look up Isaiah in the table of contents because you don't know where that is. It's, it's a large book. It's the largest of the prophets or the prophetic writings in the Old Testament. And yet it's uh, a, a book that... Um, because of its placement in the Old Testament, we, we don't always study from Isaiah. But what we'll find, and in fact, if you've been following along with the readings that we're doing through the Bible as we read through the Bible this year with what we're calling Redemption Story, a journey through the Bible, you'll find that in the book of Isaiah, you see such a clear portrayal of the gospel. In fact, Isaiah was known as a prophet. Isaiah was a real, a real guy, a real man who lived. He lived during the time of, uh, of King Uzziah, King Hezekiah. These are some of the kings in, in the lineage of, the, of, of Israel's uh, dynasty, if you will, of the, of the monarchy of the Jewish kingdom. And so he was a real guy living in the context of a real people in, in a real historical period of time, but he, he functioned as a prophet. And so his voice as a prophet carried a lot of weight, particularly with the leadership, with the kings and the, and the leadership. In fact, we read in the Chronicles about a time when King Hezekiah, for example, was ill and he called for Isaiah, or a time when he had a decision to make about a foreign king who had invaded their land, and he asked that they, would, that they would go and they would get Isaiah so that Isaiah could help him understand what is God's plan and God's purpose for, for our lives in, in the midst of all of this, all that's going on. Isaiah was a, a very important figure in his day. And Isaiah writes for us this book that bears his name, and in this we find this story, this unfolding story that God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. So one of the things you have to understand as you read the book of Isaiah is you've got to do some work to understand when is Isaiah speaking in his own voice and when is Isaiah speaking, but what he's sharing is, is a, a word from the Lord, an oracle or a, a testament from the Lord. And so what we're going to find is this particular passage that we're reading this morning is God speaking through Isaiah a word to the nation. God is telling them about things that he's going to do in days to come. Wouldn't it be great if you could tell what the future was going to hold and, and what you would do? I say that, wouldn't it be great? And yet we've all seen the movie Back to the Future, right? We know how that goes. When we know what's going to happen in the future and, uh, and, and you start to interact with your future self or if you're Biff and you get the sports book and you're trying to make a bunch of money betting off the future and all, and all we, we know how that goes really. If, if, we, if we could somehow know the future, we'd probably find a way to foul that up because that just tends to be what we do with a lot of things. And yet God knows the future and has the perfect power to bring all of those things into play in the right time, in the right way, according to his plan and his purpose. And we see that in the book of Isaiah. In fact, what's more, we're going to see several passages that are linked by a common theme to this text this morning. We're going to read Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. But in Isaiah 42, we're introduced to this figure that we refer to in the modern sense as the servant of the Lord, the servant of the Lord, or sometimes we refer to him as the suffering servant because the picture that's painted here of the servant of the Lord is that God is going to raise up a servant. He's going to raise up one who, 
the Hebrews would know by the title Mashiach or Messiah as we know him, the anointed one, the anointed one of God, the servant that God would raise up to redeem his people from their sins. And that's exactly who Jesus was. So the prophet Isaiah speaks several hundred years before the time of Jesus. In fact, about 700 years before the time of Jesus, the prophet Isaiah speaks of the coming of the Christ and all that would take place someday. So let's read together Isaiah chapter 42, beginning in verse one. Again, this is Isaiah who is sharing, but he's speaking here as though it were the voice of the Lord. So effectively, Isaiah is saying, this is what the Lord says. Behold, my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. And so Isaiah is telling us about this servant of the Lord. Behold, my servant whom I am uphold, my chosen one, God says. So in other words, the Lord is saying, there is coming someone, there is coming a servant, there is coming someone who I will raise up. This will be my chosen one, my anointed one that I will use to bring the nations. This is the servant of the Lord. It's the common theme. In fact, there are four different passages in the book of Isaiah that modern scholars, modern Bible scholars refer to as the servant songs. And we're going to look briefly at each of them to connect them back to this passage today. The servant songs. And in these servant songs, we find this portrayal of the coming servant, the one that the Lord would raise up to lead people to himself in faith, the one that he would raise up to ransom and redeem, to lead the nations to salvation. And so there are four servant songs and and four key things that I want us to see. All of them we find in this particular passage, Isaiah chapter 42, but then also we can connect to the other servant songs as well. And so the first is this, is as the servant of the Lord, Jesus, and of course that's who we understand and we know the servant to be, Jesus was the servant of the Lord. He was the anointed one. He was the Messiah. He was the one who fulfilled the prophecies of the Old Testament, both in the book of Isaiah and elsewhere. And so Jesus, as the the chosen one, the servant of the Lord, he came to establish justice. Three different times in this particular passage, we read about the justice that he will bring. In verse 1, we read, he will bring forth justice to the nations. Again, in verse 3, he will faithfully bring forth justice. And then in verse 4, that he has a, he will do all of this and he won't grow weary or faint until he has established justice in the earth. So Jesus came to establish justice. Now, we need to think about what that means. Does it mean that before Jesus there was no justice? Well, no, that's not, that's, that's not um, an accurate statement, I, I wouldn't say. It, it's not that there was uh, no justice before Jesus, but as Isaiah speaks here, as the Lord is speaking, he's speaking, he's using this word justice in a very particular and a very, in a very important sense, that the justice that Jesus would bring would be ultimate, ultimate justice, and he would accomplish ultimate justice. And how is it that Jesus would do that? Through offering his life as payment for our sins. We read in the book of Romans chapter 5, 
that he is both just, Jesus is both just and the justifier of the one who comes to him in faith. You can go to Romans 5, you can start in verse, uh, you can start in verse 21 and, and, and read the, the verses that follow. He is both just and the justifier of the one who comes to him in faith. Jesus offers his life. Jesus gave his life willingly as a sacrifice for us. And he establishes justice. He establishes justice. So the, the Lord's chosen servant, the Lord's, the Lord's servant, Jesus, brought justice to this earth. Think about this. What we deserve, we understand, because of our sin, is punishment. Sins, laws that are broken, bear consequences. Our sins bear a consequence. The Bible teaches in Romans chapter 3 that everyone has sinned. It goes on to teach in Romans chapter 6 that the wages of our sin, in other words, what we deserve, what we have earned because of our sin, is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So we can receive eternal life through faith in Jesus because he establishes ultimate justice. How did Jesus establish that ultimate justice? Through his sacrifice, through offering his life, just as we observed in the Lord's Supper this moment, this morning, I should say. It was the body of Jesus that was broken, the blood of Jesus that was spilled for us, paying the price for our sin. Not only that, it was his, his resurrection thus conquering sin and death, which ensured our salvation. So that one commentary writer says this, uh, Moiter in, the, in the, um, the Tyndall Old Testament commentary, he says that through the work of Jesus, the privilege of one nation becomes the possession of all people. And I love the way that that's put. What, what the Hebrews understood as their role as God's chosen people becomes available to everyone who comes to Christ in faith. Because Jesus establishes ultimate justice through his sacrifice. But not only does the servant of the Lord establish justice, as we see in this passage in Isaiah 42, also we understand that as a servant of the Lord, Jesus came to save the nations, to save the nations. Look here in this particular passage that we read about that he has established, this is in verse 4, he will establish justice in the earth. Justice in the earth, or in verse 1, put my spirit on him, he will bring forth justice to the nations, throughout the earth, to all the nations. In other words, the picture is that it will not just be for one people in one location, but it will be for everyone. And so it's in one of the other servant songs that we read about this. Go to Isaiah chapter 49 and look at Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. You can just hold your place there in Isaiah 42, but thumb over to Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, verse 6, look at what the Lord says. Again, this is another one of the servant songs in Isaiah 49. And he says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back and preserve the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. In other words, the Lord is saying through Isaiah to his people that his servant would extend salvation, would spread the gospel, the good news, the message of salvation to all people and all nations. It's not enough that it would just be for the people of Israel. The Lord is saying, in fact, here to the nation of Israel through the prophet Isaiah, this isn't meant to be just for you. This is meant to be for all people to the ends of the earth that everyone would come to me in salvation. And so the servant of the Lord came to save the nations, meaning all people, 
of all nations, anyone, anywhere, at any time who would turn to Jesus in faith may be saved. Which, by the way, is how you and I are welcomed in. Because we're a part of that any people, anywhere, at any time. There's no way, I, I don't imagine that Isaiah, when he spoke those words, could picture in his mind Chickasha, Oklahoma, in the year 2023, right? It, it, I'm sure this would have defied his understanding, and yet the Lord knew perfectly because he sees all of time, and, and he understood that we would be here today and, and, and beyond us in all the days to come. The Lord, the Lord has a plan, and that's the point that he's making plain through Isaiah and this servant song, that his plan is to work through this people in this place and time to make the message of salvation available to all people in any place, at any time, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 tells us. So we turn to Jesus in faith because the servant of the Lord came to bring salvation to us. You know, I think servant is a key word there because God knew that your greatest need was not for any kind of material possession. Your greatest need was not for more money. Your greatest need was not for good health or uh, happiness in all of your relationships. Your greatest need was not personal satisfaction and, and fulfillment in life. Your greatest need was forgiveness of your sins, which is why Jesus came and offered his life as payment for your sin. The servant of the Lord served you, served your greatest need by offering his life as payment for your sin. And not only you and I, but everyone who turns to the Lord in faith, to the ends of the earth. A few weeks ago, we celebrated on July the 9th, that Sunday evening, we celebrated in this room a couple from our church that God is sending out to the ends of the earth. In a few weeks, the Scots will be on the mission field serving in South Asia, and, and they're reorienting their whole life to follow God's call that's leading them to another nation across the world. We have another missionary couple in our church, the Richards, who, and I say they're in our church because they're a part of our church family, but they're not here because they live in Papua New Guinea, which is literally on the other side of the earth. And, and they're serving the Lord, even today, serving the Lord faithfully. And they've been on the mission field for several years now. And God is sending out people to the nations so that everyone who hears and calls in the name of the Lord may be saved. But, you know, for you and I, you may think, well, I'm not being sent to the nations. How does this apply to me? Well, in order to reach the nations, we've also got to reach our own backyard. And so God is sending some out to other parts of the, of the world. But some, and, I'm, and I mean us, those of us who are in the room, he's sending us into our community, into your classroom, into your workplace, into your neighborhood, into your family. God is leading you there. If you are his child, if you've trusted in Jesus, and he's leading you to shine the light of Jesus so that others may hear the gospel and come to faith. Just as Jesus came to save the nations so that all people may turn to him in faith, we can share that message with anyone and everyone that they may trust Christ by faith. The third thing we see in this servant song, Isaiah chapter 42, is that as the servant of the Lord, Jesus came to sustain the weary, to sustain the weary. If you read verse 3, Isaiah 42, 3, 
You may think, I don't understand this. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. What does that mean, a bruised reed? This speaks to the gentleness of this Savior. This same Savior, this same servant of the Lord, who has the power to, to do all things, the very power to save everyone from their sin. And yet, he's gentle and lowly in spirit. Jesus himself says in Matthew chapter 11, he says, take my yoke upon me, upon you, because my yoke is easy, my burden is life. Come to me, he, he says, all you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Isaiah chapter 50 is another servant song, and if you look at Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4, We see the Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. This is the servant of God speaking here. And he's saying, the Lord has given me the ability to sustain those who are weary. The, the Lord sustains us in our weariness. Not only does he save us from our sin, but he sustains us when we're weary. He gives us strength. He gives us hope. He gives us a future. He leads us into his promise that we may know him and walk by faith. He sustains us in our moment of need. And that's the picture of Isaiah 42.3. A bruised reed he will not break. If, a, if, a, if a, a reed, think of a reed of straw, if it's bent, the servant of the Lord isn't going to break it. A, a faintly burning wick, he's not going to put it out. It will be sustained. It will continue on. It will, it will have enough to keep going. It's a picture of God's grace and his mercy to us. Not only does he offer us salvation from our sins, not only does he establish true justice, ultimate justice, but he sustains us. This is such good news for us. This is such good news that the Lord knows you. He knows your situation. He knows your burden. He knows what you're going through. He knows the heaviness that you may feel. He knows the, the, the burdens of your heart and he has the power to sustain you with his grace and his mercy. The servant of the Lord came to sustain the weary so that we can turn to him in our moment of need. Why is this such good news? Because it's a reminder to us that there's no place that you can run that you outrun the love of God. There's no place that you can go that you go beyond his hand, which is mighty to save, beyond his reach, beyond his power, beyond his authority, so that everyone who turns to the Lord in faith can be saved. And then finally, we see the servant of the Lord, as the servant of the Lord, Jesus came to suffer punishment for our sin. For me personally, this is perhaps the one of the servant songs that, that just speaks to me the most in Isaiah 53. But before we turn there, look at this very passage that we're in, Isaiah 42. Look back at verse 2. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. Now, what do we know to be true of Jesus during the time of his, of his punishment? That as they carried him through the streets... As, as he carried his cross and they led him through the streets, having beaten him and, and, and having tortured him. And he didn't, he didn't cry out. He remained silent before his accusers. It's, 
It's a fulfillment of this very prophecy, but also the words of Isaiah 53. Again, thumb over to Isaiah 53. Look at verse 3. Isaiah 53, verse 3. Really, this servant song begins with the latter verses of Isaiah 52, but it carries over into Isaiah chapter 53. But we're going to look beginning in Isaiah 53, 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. As one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Jump down to verse 7. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off for the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. And although he had done no violence and there was no deed or no deceit in his mouth, Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. And when his soul makes an offering for his guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall be prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. You know what's amazing about this picture that we see in Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 42, this, this picture of the suffering servant, the servant of the Lord who would suffer punishment at the hands of those he came to save is that he did nothing to deserve this. He did nothing to deserve the punishment that he, that he took, and yet he willingly bore it on our behalf. We, in a moment, with a word, Jesus could have called down legions of angels to his rescue. With, with but a thought, he could have eradicated his accusers, and yet willingly he suffered at the hands of those he came to save so that he might pay the price for our sin. This is the picture of the servant of the Lord who gave his life for us. May we come to him in faith. May we trust Jesus in faith. May we receive by faith in him this covenant of faith, turning our hearts and our lives to him. He's the servant of the Lord who gave his life for us. I wonder, has there ever been a moment in your life when you surrendered your life to Jesus? Has there ever been a moment when you received by faith personally, by faith in Jesus, you received forgiveness of your sins? And you said something along the lines of, again, it's not the words themselves. There's no magic in saying the right words. Or, but, but by faith, have you prayed something like, Lord, I trust you for the forgiveness of my sin. And I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And I think will is such an important word. It's not that you might be saved. It's not that you can be saved. It's not that you're on the way to salvation. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Have you ever turned to him? In sal in, for salvation, for forgiveness of your sins. This morning, in a moment, we're going to move into a time of invitation. And, and quite frankly, I don't want this to be, 
I don't want this to feel like it's, like it's a hidden agenda or a secret or, or anything. Everything we've done this morning brings us to this moment of decision. Everything we've sang, every prayer we've prayed, every, every, every word we've studied, everything brings us to this moment. This moment of response where we would surrender our lives to him. Maybe you're here and you've done that. In fact, I, I imagine that for most of us in the room, we've already taken that step of faith. You've surrendered your life to Christ as Lord and Savior. But I wonder, have you trusted him for your salvation, but now are you walking by faith with him truly as the Lord of your life, following him, following his path, following his will and his purpose, becoming a part of sharing that message, that gospel with others? Or maybe you're here this morning and there's never been a moment when you've trusted Jesus by faith. Then in a moment when we sing this song together and we stand together, we're gonna call this the invitation because I would invite you to come in that moment and surrender your life to Jesus. Our staff will be here at the front and we would love nothing more than to lead you through a prayer of faith that you would say, again, in your own words, in your own way, you would say, Lord, I give my life to you. Would you come in, forgive me of my sin, and truly be the Lord of my life. I want to invite you now to bow your head with me and close your eyes for a moment of reflection. And I, and I invite you specifically to close your eyes. Bow, this is just a way, bowing our heads, closing. It's a way of showing, I suppose, uh, genuflect of, 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 of respect, of humbling ourselves, but it's also a way of shutting out the distractions so that in this moment, you might not be worried about what anyone else is thinking or doing because you don't have to give an account for anyone else. You will be called upon to give an account for yourself. Has there been a moment when you have trusted Jesus by faith? You have surrendered your life to him. And if the answer is no, or even perhaps I'm not certain, then I would encourage you in a moment as we begin to sing that you would step out into the aisle, make your way forward. Let us counsel with you. Let us pray with you. Let us encourage you as you take that step of faith. And so, Lord, our prayer to you this morning is that you would move in our hearts, move in our midst. Jesus, that if there's anyone within the sound of my voice in, in this room who've joined us for a live stream, listening on the radio, anyone at all, Lord, that might be hearing these words, that they don't know for certain that they have trusted you by faith, that they might make this the day of their salvation, that they turn to you in faith. Speak to us now, God. Move in our midst, move in our hearts, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.